Hey, this is Scotty Vermillion. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Daniel Boone podcast today. We would like to invite you to worship with us at Daniel Boone Baptist Church in Gate City, Virginia on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. Or you can join us on Facebook for live sermons and daily interactions that will keep you in touch with God and in step with His kingdom. Today I've got a, I got a place that God has taken me uh I guess for a long, long time that I want to, I want to take, take you to, uh, we're going to be in a few places, but we're basically going to go to a, to a spot in our hearts and our minds that hopefully allows us to see our lives a little, a little more, uh, with a little more perspective, because let's face it, perspective is important. In first Corinthians chapter four, Verse 5, we're going to get to that in a second, but the title of the message is in transition. It's from the book of Ruth, and we're going to be in the book of Ruth as we go throughout. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, the Bible says, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. If you're like me, I'm guilty of getting in moments, and I got there this week some, and some of you told me that you were there too. You get in moments where you feel like God is just not, not being real, real... Uh, kind to me he's he's doing some things that that may be uh maybe i didn't pray for okay and we're gonna get to that in just a second but guess what i forgot yeah come up here braxton i'm so excited to give you this word that i forgot our youngins come on all my youngins up here and if you want to stay here you stay but if you want to go you're welcome to go too why didn't you jump up and down and say stop huh i saw adam pointing and i knew i'd messed up any of you young folks that want to come and go with us, you're welcome to come and go with us, okay? Come up here real fast. Come over here. Get in a little circle. What's up, my man? I like your lizard shirt. Yeah. You know what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5? Judge nothing before the appointed time. Here's what that means for you. That means when you're going, when you're going to have, uh, through a hard time, you're having a hard day, and you're mad about the world, and something's just happened, the other team just scored a touchdown. That says, don't get too fired up about that. Go next play. You know what that means? Huh? That, that means I look past my difficulty, and I don't judge my current condition, and I just move on. Sometimes we just have to move on, don't we? Yeah. Good to see you up here. Is this your second time or first time? You're sometimes shy, aren't you? Yeah, that's okay, too. Come up here, young man. Get in here between these two girls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for these children, and I pray, God, that as you uh, teach them in these next few minutes, that you would help them to understand more about you and draw them closer to you. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, head down. Any young, other young guys that want to go, you head down too. They might have some snacks down there. I'm not sure. Adam, thanks for the nod. First Corinthians 4, 5, and this is going to be powerful for you. When we get to the end of this, you're going to see it all come together. But we t way too often in our lives, we, we get so caught up in, you know, we prayed for this or we feel like God's going to do this, but it turns out not the way that we prayed and not the way that we expected. The book of Ruth is like that. And so, therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. And if you keep reading, it really tells us that God will show us in due season, in due time, 
the end from the beginning. I would say it this way, adjust, adjust your lens, the lens that you see life through. You know, your perspective determines your outlook, don't it? Because I can look at any situation or circumstance in my life, any things that happen to me, and I can feel woe is me. I can feel defeated. Or I can choose a different perspective. Our outlook often influences our mood. And you know what our mood influences? People. Everyone who's around us, you know, I can tell my wife's mood before I ever get inside the house, and she can, she can do the same for me. No kidding, just by the way we text or by the way our, our voice sounds on the phone. Mood influences our behavior towards people, which will also be a reflection of Christ. You know, I would say that if your mood is, is up and down like, like the, you know, the tide, and it's always fluctuating, I would say that your relationship with, with the Lord is also similar to that. And that's our part, not His. So how important is the lens that we use to view our life? to view our current condition or our current position. Paul says this in, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. You can read that in many different translations, and it's a little different in, in several translations, but the gist of it is this. He was in prison, and he says while, he was in, while he's in prison that I was put here. Now let me ask you this. After you get a ticket for going 85 and a 55, and some of you have gotten that ticket, how many of you had that thought initially when the state trooper walked up to your window? I was put here for a purpose. <laughs> Not many of us. You know, most of us are saying things we probably wouldn't say in church, don't we? I was put here, Paul says. Now, the difficult thing is when you're put in a place like that, is to see it as God's divine orchestration because, let's face it, we chose to be there. God didn't tell us to go 85. That's, that's not according to His will or His plan for our life. But we chose it. But God, in His providence, and we're going to see that today, somehow takes all of our decisions, those of us who are His, and orchestrates this thing behind the scenes to bring about good. Isn't that crazy? Because if you think about it, you know, when your children come home and they messed up and you take their keys, they don't see that as good. You know, they see that as punishment. And oftentimes in this life, in this walk, we get saved, we, we study, we pray, we get up and we try to do the best we can to serve the Lord. And then we get to 12 o'clock on Tuesday and things happen that I didn't ask for and that you didn't ask for. And we're sitting there going, how could this possibly be good? Paul said this in prison. And Paul understood that God was divinely orchestrating. He was meeting him moment by moment in order to bring about the salvation of many people. Paul says that in, his word, in the Word of God. God in Christ is more visible in our lives when we are at or in positions of failure, heartbreak, weakness, sin, loss, and if we submit ourselves to him, let's just face it, death's a difficult thing. But when we submit our lives to Christ, even in death, the loss of loved ones, he takes and moves that and steers it and orchestrates this thing. And we're going to see that today in the life of Ruth. But when you're in it, it's hard to accept it. Let's just be honest. It's hard to accept it. 
2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Paul says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, and therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, my losses, my difficulties, so that Christ's power may rest on me. And so that's where we're going today. The title of the message is In Transition. We're going to be in the book of Ruth. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray your blessings upon this word. I pray you'd help me to give it like you gave it to me. Thank you for the reminder to bless our children. Very important, God. We pray for those kids downstairs and the ones that are here. I pray for their futures. I pray for the people that you'll put in their paths. And I pray, God, that you would use them to bring about the salvation of many people. So, Lord, as we sit and learn of you today, keep us attentive to what you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In transition, the book of Ruth. There's three main characters in the book of Ruth, Naomi and Ruth and then Boaz. And if you've, did any of you read that this week? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you would, when you leave here, go home and read four chapters. It won't take you 20 minutes. It's a very short book, but it's, it's tucked in between Judges and 1 Samuel. And you kind of look at it like, why is this book here? And really what it is, is it's a transition. It's a picture of a, it's a transition between when the judges ruled Israel, okay? And then when God was setting up the Davidic covenant, where God would bless David and, and, and Christ would come from the Davidic line, uh, from the throne of David. And these three main characters, Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, if you'll read through uh, those four chapters, you'll get really a picture of what happened. Basically, uh, Elimelech, who was Naomi's husband of the tribe of Judah, or of the house of, of the Israelites, and they lived in Bethlehem there in Judah, and they had to move because of a famine. And it says that they moved from the land of Judah, from Bethlehem, into Moab, which was a foreign, foreign territory. And the first thing that hit me when I started thinking about that is how often do we do the same? We get a, deprived of some type of thing that we need. And so we, we, not on, we don't just move our physical bodies, but we move our minds and our hearts to a place. And sometimes I think about addiction. That's where addiction comes from. It's, it's when you go and take something that God didn't intend for you to take or you escape to somewhere to relieve a need that you have and you end up in Moab. While they're in Moab, Elimelech dies and her two son, their two sons also, they marry uh, Moabite women. And the people of Moab are really enemies of God because when the Israelites came out of Egypt, the Moabites refused to help them. And so it was like it was it was a it was a law it was a rule that you didn't marry Moabite people you didn't they didn't they weren't uh, to be a part of the family of God and so anyway her two sons marry Orpah and Ruth her two sons pass away so she's lost her husband and her two sons and it's Naomi left with Ruth and Orpah so she hears that back in her home region back in Bethlehem back in Judah she hears that the famine's over and it's almost barley harvest season. And the food is back. So she decides she's going to go back to her hometown. And she tells Naomi, I mean, Naomi tells Ruth and Orpah, you guys, you ladies go to your, your mothers, back to the land of your mothers, find you a new husband because there ain't no way that I could have a child in my old age and give you another husband. Orpah ends up leaving, but Ruth stays. And so Ruth spends the rest of her life, I ain't going to say serving Naomi, but she, she felt like she needed to stay with Naomi. And when they get back, 
Ruth decides, I'm going to go out and look for food. I'm giving you my translation. I'm going to look for food. And it just so happens that she goes into the field of a gentleman named Boaz, who just so happens to be one of the kinsmen redeemers. And I, I didn't know exactly what that meant until now. So I'll study this a little bit deep, deeper. But basically, it was Elimelech's family, Naomi's deceased husband. He was in that family, but he was second in line. There was one in front of, of him that was to be the kinsman redeemer of that family to carry on the, the, the family name. Okay, And the way all this orchestrates is a beautiful picture. It's a story of tragedy, moving on and pushing through, mixed with loyalty, self-sacrifice that orchestrates a divine, seemingly coincidental encounter with a kinsman redeemer named Boaz. And it ends with a picture of redemption because Boaz takes uh, Ruth and they have a child, and I'm going to show you that in a few minutes. And when we look back at this whole story and we see the picture from here in, in the past, it's easy to see. It's kind of like your life and my life. When we're in the moment, it's hard to see the picture. Matter of fact, we can't see the picture. They couldn't see it, but God sees it. It's like a recipe in the kitchen, and we'll talk about that in a minute. There's a lot of ingredients that go into that. But God's not mentioned in this story, except by the characters inside the story. And that tells me something, because usually you and I both, I think, I think this is you, I know it's me, we ask God to step into situations and we ask God to show us where to go and to give us a divine intervention, a divine appointment. God, tell me what to do right here. And sometimes he does, don't he? Sometimes he does. But most of the time, he's, he doesn't. Most of the time, he doesn't. And there's many reasons for that. But that is obvious in the book of Ruth. It doesn't say God told Ruth to go out into the fields and glean from the, the reapers. Gleaning means pick up what's left. God doesn't say that, but he did. You see what I mean? God didn't tell Naomi to move back to your, your hometown, but, but he did. And that's kind of like our life. God doesn't always tell us exactly where to go and exactly what to do, but he will put us on the path if we'll just be obedient and go and do. Ruth is a book of transition from what was the dark days of the judges to what was to be the Davidic throne of the, and then the lineage of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It was a connection. It was a transitional book. Looking back from here, we would call this history in the making, reading the book of Ruth. But they, they didn't see it as history in the making, did they? If you're Naomi, she told, she told them in the book, she said, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. And she says in the word here in several places that God has been hard on me. God has not been good to me. He has taken these things away from me. And so now I'm bitter. It's easier to see God's handiwork looking backwards, isn't it? God uses everything to bring about good in our lives. You believe that? But some of you and even myself are sitting here today thinking, how in the world could good come out of this? Whatever this is. We all have different thises. And it changes from day to day. But God uses everything to bring about good. Certain things, listen to this, sometimes and most oftentimes, unwanted and unenjoyable things must come to pass for those things that God has for us to come to be. 
And I told you many weeks ago, even good things. You know, I've known many people who've lost jobs, and you do too. And it was a very difficult time. But their current situation is better than their former. You know? It doesn't mean the hurt doesn't go, that the hurt goes away or the disappointment or the loss or the... That's not what that means. But blessing is around the corner. It may start with a dream or a vision, but God's reality is better. He'll use a broken dream, a broken heart, a messed up situation to bring about His purpose and plan in your life. I would say this for the believer. God is never done until He calls you home. You're constantly moving to bring about purpose in your life. Your job is to not lose hope, keep the faith. It's kind of like a mustard seed. If you have a faith of a mustard seed, we know that's just a little bit of faith, that that's all you need. And sometimes, here's what that means to me. When you're about ready to give in and give up, and it's over, and I'm just tired of trusting God, and I'm, just, I'm, I'm really sick of trying to follow this plan that God has put in my, in my heart, it ain't, it ain't working. If you'll have just a little bit of faith, the faith of a mustard seed. Hey, what is a seed? Is it alive in its current form? It's not, is it? It's dead. My dad got some seed out of the freezer that had been there. How many years, Mom? 30 years? 40 years. And he planted, was it five seed? He planted five seed and four of them came up. Isn't that cool? Yeah, for something, for something to come up, something has to be planted. It's the same in our spiritual life. Sometimes things must die and seed must be planted. And it may take a long, long time. But we, as we said two or three weeks ago, when you put something in the ground, only God knows exactly how that works. And that's the same for our faith. God is constantly weaving together the circumstances and choices of believers to bring about good. You believe that? And we see that only in retrospect. Hindsight's twenty twenty. That's easy to see in hindsight. And so our job's not to lose hope. God uses problems to transition us from one stage of life to another. Would you believe? Would you agree with that? He uses problems. He uses loss. He uses storms. I can take you to several places in the New Testament where Jesus used a storm to teach a lesson. He uses conflict to bring about change. He uses change to bring about His will. He uses loss, death, difficulties to take us from one season or one stage of life to another, from one season of life to another, from, from our current GPS to our destiny. And this is what the Lord told me to tell you about your destiny. As young people, we often think, what am I going to do when I grow up? And then when we get there, we're like, well, is this it? You know, Your destiny is constantly changing. Your GPS is not a, it's, it's not a target that stays put. It's constantly moving. Like me personally, I'm still moving. Like, I feel like I need to continue to progress, and I know you feel the same way. But sometimes we get this mindset that if I could ever get to that place, and then you get there and you stop, our destiny is always moving. Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, beautiful picture from the dark, difficult days until we see her nursing or being the nurse to her grandson, Boaz and Ruth's uh, child later on in the story point number one today we are designed to seek if you find yourself stuck then start seeking he who seeks will find that's biblical we're designed to seek 
God's provisions at work behind every scene. But if we stop seeking, the movie stops. Y'all hear what I'm saying? The story ends. Keep seeking. We're designed to seek. Death and tragedy, when mixed with faith and providence of God and the purpose of God, will lead to a birth of another, another blessing. Point number two. Man plans his way, but the Lord orders his steps. Do you think when Naomi moved to Moab with her husband that she'd, she planned on 10 years later coming back empty-handed, no husband, no sons? And here she comes with Ruth. That wasn't her plan. That's why she says she was bitter. Proverbs 16, 9. Man plans his ways, but the Lord orders his steps. If I said raise your hand if you've experienced that, too, if you've doubly experienced it, the older you are in here, the more hands you're throwing up. Because we find as we walk this faith out, we see that we make all kinds of plans. But God orders our steps and puts us where we need to be as we seek. Naomi and Ruth made plans, and none included meeting Boaz. They didn't know who Boaz was. You know, none of that. But as they sought after and executed their plan, the move back to the, to the homeland of the Israelites because it was a barley harvest season, scene by scene we see God orchestrating and bringing about a situation where Boaz and Ruth coincidentally meet. Have you ever had a situation that was by coincidence in the moment, but looking back you see that it was God's defined appointment? You ever done that? It's like when, when my schedule got changed in the eighth grade and I got to be in Coach Quillen's history class, and it just so happened there was a little girl in the back seat. You know what I mean? Kind of one of those things that I had nothing to do with, but, but God orchestrates those things. And here's how big God is. Here's how big God is. Even if I hadn't have been in that class, he still would have made it happen because he takes our choices and our circumstances and our situations, and he divinely orchestrates his purpose and his plan in your life. Now, that's hard to see in the moment, isn't it? Hard to see in the moment. Which leads to point number three, my favorite point of the whole passage or of the whole lesson. Nothing just happens. Do you believe that? I mean, coincidence is a word and it is a thing, but for the church of God and for the, for the believer, I believe nothing just happens. Even in our mess-ups, God's moving and working. The field that Ruth chose actually chose her. Believe it or not, she said, hey, I'm going to go and find a field, any field that I can find to glean after the reapers. And all that means is go, go behind and pick up what, what they missed. And it just so happens that Boaz, and I'm going to read that to you. I think I've got it on here. In Ruth chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, So she went out and entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, just so happens, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz who was from the clan of Elimelech. And just then, just so happened, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. He said, the Lord be with you, the Lord bless you. They answered. And then Ruth chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, just a few uh, past, uh, verses over, she says, uh, then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and mother and the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. I want to say this as a side note. Our deeds tell a story, don't they? 
you know, her reputation was of noble character. And it says in Ruth that Boaz was also of noble character. He took notice of her. And once he figured out who she was, he said, I, I, I know how you handled and treated Naomi. I know your deeds. Our deeds tell a story and are clearly seen. Ruth was a lady of noble character. Point number four. God's providence is at work behind every scene in our story as well. You know, God weaves together those things. And I could give you multiple stories from my personal life. Um, if, if you want to hear one from coaching, you know, we got beat in 2018, which was the only year that, I, that my teams were able to win at all. And when we got beat, I thought it was over. We got beat in a region. Help me, Eli. What game was that? It was a region championship game, wasn't it? So we get beat and uh, shouldn't have got beat, but we did. And I thought it was over, and it just took a it took a word from a friend of mine to get me back on on my horse. But in those moments of defeat, and this can go to your life too, things happen when you're in a deficit. I had a friend tell me this week that one of the biggest life lessons that they ever learned was when their uh, their parents made them pay for a semester of college because they had messed around and and did poorly in one semester and it was a big life lesson because that money was going to something else but it had to go to tuition now and it was a huge life lesson you know i could tell i could give you all kinds of stories like that but god's at work behind every scene isn't he he weaves together the faithful obedience of his people to bring about the redemptive purposes in the world ruth chapter 4 verses 13 through 17 i want to read that to you this is toward the end of the book of Ruth. It's only got four chap four book four chapters. If you if you have time this evening to read all four. It says so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. By the way, there was somebody else in line. And Boaz was honest and said, "Hey, I I'm not the first kinsman redeemer and we need to offer her up and to to somebody else." And when he heard that she was a Moabite, he said, "Nah, I better not do that." because I may lose everything I've got. And so it just so turns out. And isn't that like God? Sometimes we think, have you ever watched kids try to get first in line, you know, to get things? I know you guys that teach have seen that. But it just so turns out that even if someone's in front of you for something, if God wants you to have it, guess what? You're going to have it. I also believe that when God puts you in a position, He positions you that nobody can can move you no force in heaven or on earth or on earth or in hades can move you if god has positioned you in that place so boaz took ruth and she became his wife and he had relations with her and the lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son then the women said to naomi who had lost everything remember they said blessed is the lord who has not left you without a redeemer today and may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you one who restores life. Is this a picture of Christ? Yeah, it is. May he be to you as one who restores life and sustains your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. And then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. And Ruth 4.17 says, and the neighbor women 
gave him a name saying, A son has been born to Naomi. And so they named him Obed. He's the father of Jesse, the father of David. And remember a few weeks ago, we talked about the, the, the covenants of God. The, uh, and we go from the Noahic covenant to the Mosaic covenant to the Abrahamic covenant. And, and then we go to the Davidic covenant and then the new covenant, which is where we are now. This Davidic covenant, Obed was a pretty big time player in this covenant, wasn't he? And God saw this from beginning to end. And God sees your life that way as well. And we mess up if we take one piece of the ingredient of our lives and separate it from the whole and judge our condition according to how that piece tastes. For example, I'll give, I'll give it to you like this. Who likes homemade biscuits? Mm-hmm, me too. I think about everybody in here does. But if you ever put, you got flour, you got lard, some of you use lard or butter or oil or however y'all do that. And then you've also got, you know, the buttermilk, which some people like to drink. I do not. But if you took each ingredient and you just stuffed your mouth full of flour, how would that go down? Mm -mm. No. Nah. Or drunk, a, drunk some oil or chewed on a, chewed on a thing of uh, lard. You know, it wouldn't be good, would it? Because in, in isolation, when you take those ingredients out, it doesn't taste like a biscuit. Our life is very similar. If we think that the world is over just because this thing has happened, look at Naomi. Many of you have lost loved ones. Naomi lost a husband and two sons and found a place in her life where she was holding this baby. His name was Obed. And she was a part of the redemptive purposes of God. See, that's the thing that we, we often neglect in, in Christianity and this walk of faith is that everything is supposed to happen. Everything that happens to me is supposed to be joyous and peaceful and easy to handle and easy to endure but i got news for you it's not you know our choices will will decide and determine some of that for us but for the most part this walk of christ is difficult but what what they say the life insurance policy is out of this world y'all heard that before but we have someone to lead us don't we we have someone who sees it all he sees from the beginning to the end and our salvation eternity is secure but I want to show you this as well. Point number five. God knows who, when, where, how, and why. What do I mean by that? Number one, if we talk about Ruth, God knows exactly who to take out of your life and who to bring into your life. And if we spend the majority of our day and our emotion on who left us or who did us wrong or the government, or, or whoever it is that's causing us harm and pain, then we're messing up because sometimes addition by subtraction is what God is desiring for your life. I used to think that I needed many friends, many networks. Mm -mm. I don't feel that way anymore. You guys feel that way? I just need a few, the right ones, the ones that God's called my way. And if God calls someone out, I can trust that he'll replace that void with something better. He knows who. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I needed her. Now, I don't say that as a brownie point so that when I get home, she'll be nice to me. That's not what I'm saying. He knew that on my own, two feet, without that person, made exactly like she's made, 
not physically, but I'm talking about discipline-wise. You know, she's more hardcore than I am. She's more hardline than I am. She knew He knew that without that union, I would not be standing here with you. And I'm fulfilling a purpose right now. It's moving. I told you my destiny's moving, so is yours. It's a, it's a target that never stays still. But God knows who. God knows who. He also knows when. Here's, a, here's, here's something we do way too often. I do it. God gives me a vision. He gives me a purpose. I see a plan that he's helping me develop, and I want to get to my destination. It's like driving to Florida. That one's just a little bit too far to drive, but I'll do it. But it's a long ways. Now, I would like to snap my fingers and be there in about an hour or 30 minutes. Or if I could click my heels together, hocus pocus, and be there just immediately. But we understand that it doesn't work like that. If there's a destination God has purposed or called you to, it could take time. And a matter of fact, while he's in the kitchen cooking it up, the, the nice fresh biscuits, if we will just be obedient and patient and serve and seek, because we're made to seek, God when, God will put us in the right position at the right time. Paul said, I was put here in prison. Position. Isn't that neat? We lost a game in 18. And I listen, I'm not saying God is in any of that because I don't think God cares as much about a game as he does about me. But at the same time, we put that, you know, we put that team that season, whatever, and I always did this in his hands and said, God bless this year, whether we win or not. Doesn't really matter. But at the same time, he knew that that was important and he allowed that to happen. You hear what I'm saying? Now, don't hear me wrong, and you sports fans, don't, don't think that God's up there hitting buttons to see. Who, that's, he doesn't do that. But at the same time, he knew when exact, when to put that in, into the mixture. You know, I've watched mom cook, and Le when I'm cooking, Leanne will come over and she'll be like, now, nah, at just the right time, you need to put this ingredient in there. And I'm like, I, okay, I got it. There's just the right time to put something in, and God knows when. He also knows where. We think we know where. Do we not? We think that we know exactly where we should be, what position we should hold. Yeah, we've got, I've got a friend who has planned out vacation for the next three summers. I don't know how he does it. When I think of that, it, it makes me nervous. I don't have next week planned out, you know what I mean, for vacation. But he knows where. He knows where. He knows where to put you so that Boaz at just the right time will come by and, and Ruth will be gleaning in the fields. And you know what he told her? It's kind of a neat love story. He said, don't go into any other field and glean. Glean right here. <laughs> Isn't that neat? You know, God had a natural attraction to the, from, uh, between those two people. He also knows how. We oftentimes think we know how. And I, I'm, as men, we think we know how. We want things fixed right away but that's not god's plan all the time some things need to fester and grow until the right appointed time first corinthians chapter 4 verse 5 says don't judge anything until the appointed time let it grow and then he also knows why he knows why things happen he puts things he puts obstacles he allows things to happen he allows us to make bad decisions you know that do you remember a few weeks ago I said God will not let you make a major bad decision if you're seeking after him? I believe that's true. Now, you might not believe that, and that's okay. But I believe if I'm seeking after the Lord, he won't let me move to California 
if he does, if he wants me to stay in Virginia, if I'm seeking the Lord. If I get out on my own and I start trying to answer these questions according to my knowledge and my discernment and my ability, then I might end up in California or Washington or Oregon or wherever. But I believe God in his providence knows how to work all those things out for our good. The book of Ruth invites us really to consider how God's at work in the mundane, ordinary details of our lives. And to bring about the redemptive purposes of God. That's why we're here. And so wherever God's placed you, whether it's on a team, in a church, on a different crew at work, maybe He is moving you and you're in transition. I think we're always in transition. And I think we always need to be not only willing, but eager to seek after and to follow after Him. Now that's a tough thing to do, especially when you're in the moment when you've just lost your husband and your two sons. But God had a plan. I want to show you that plan. I think this is, this is important that we see this. Matthew 1, 5, it says this. I, I told you that earlier. But uh, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. She was a Moabite. She wasn't even a, she wasn't even a, a children of, of Israel. She wasn't a child of God. Isn't that crazy? And she's in the Bible, Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. Look at this chart. I'm going gonna, gonna to zoom in on it here in just a second. But this is on the front of your bulletin. And I think it's neat. I told you about the covenants of God. And when we get to the, the Abrahamic covenant was, I'm going to create a people through you. You'll be the father of many nations. But when he gets to David, David is going to be the 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 lineage is going to go through David. The, the throne, the kingship is in the house of David. And look at David. He was the father of Solomon and the father of Nathan. And if you follow it all the way down, made it a little bigger for you there, you'll see that from Solomon came Joseph, the father of Mary. Not the husband of Mary, but the father of Mary. And then from Nathan came Joseph, the husband of Mary, who is the, uh, I guess you'd call him the, the earthly adopted, adoptive father of, of Jesus Christ. And we see the, the covenant being fulfilled. And if we backtrack just a little ways and we through these generations of people, we see at the top Boaz and Obed. And that may not mean a lot to you, but the Lord showed me this week that even in difficult times, he's working out this chart in humanity and you're a part of it i'm responsible for my peace and so are you isn't that neat go to matthew chapter one and look at the lineage of christ the book of ruth is a beautifully orchestrated story tragedy survival if i said raise your hand if you've had tragedy everybody except for maybe the young children are going to Keep their hands up. The children might not. Divine intervention. Grace. Remember a few weeks ago, all we say grace was. Receiving those things that we do not deserve. Grace. Provision. Has God ever provided for you and you didn't know where it came from? Yep. Sure. Me too. That's part of this walk. Purpose. Redemption, 
And it's hard to see unless you look backwards after it's already happened. And that's why when we get old and we get silver on top, that they say that that's wisdom. Is that right? They say that's wisdom. That's a shine of wisdom. That's because we've lived a while. We've experienced some things and we've seen the hand of God on our life. Those of us who have followed Him from a young age. And we only see it looking backwards. You know, they didn't see it either. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says this, and I'll end with this. I think it's important that you put this one on your heart. Don't judge anything before the appointed time. If you've had a bad day, God's going to use it. There's a funny story about the video, and I've had three people today say the little video on Tuesday was you spoke right to me. I asked David Hibbets to do the video. I was like, Dave, man, you're going to have to do it. I've had, I've just, I'm just not in the mood. You ever not been in the mood? Not in the mood to do it? Cause I, and here was my words to him. If I get on there right now, I'm going to be fake. <laughs> I'm not going to mean anything I say. And the Lord reprimanded me through Dave Hibbets. He said, you're not fake. Just be real. And so I tried to be. But at the same time, when I look at what God, that difficulty that I endured through and God used it, that's the same for you in your walk. These things that the enemy throws at you to try to keep you from marching forward, it's because the enemy understands the power that lies ahead in your testimony. And if you stop moving, stop believing, stop going to church, stop praying, stop thinking that this is worth it because it is, then he wins for a short time. But by divine intervention, God can always and does always step in. So 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, don't judge. Don't judge where you're at until the appointed time. Let the Lord bring it to fruition. Bow your heads with me, please. Today, if you need the Lord to strengthen you in your current season, some of you are in some difficult places. Nobody's looking, only me. I just want to pray for you. Raise your hand if you need strength from above. Amen. Thank you. If you need help just believing, just believing, raise your hand. Amen. Thank you. And if there's anybody here that's lost and does not know the Lord, if you've not accepted Him, today would be a good day. You can see me afterwards or you can just pray this short prayer. Heavenly Father, I believe that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins and I believe that you raised him from the dead and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you shall be saved. So if that's you today, I, I, I pray that you would commit your life to him. So Lord, now for strength for these that raised their hand, God, I pray for divine strength upon their lives. Help them to see these moments that they're in as just part of the ingredient that goes into the final product. Lord, help them not to give up hope. They need strength to walk. And so do I at times, obviously. We all do. But God, many have come here today and asked for strength, and so I pray that you would reach down and give them strength. And Lord, there have been several that need help believing in God, so I pray a specific special prayer now that Somewhere between now and then, in the near future, 
you would show them beyond a shadow of a doubt your hand upon their life. That even in loss, in tragedy, in hardship, that you're arranging through Ruth for Naomi the union with Boaz and that you are redeeming your people. Help them to believe that. And God, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, and God, we all doubt. Let's just be honest. We all doubt at times. But God, if there's anybody here that's never made that decision, I pray today would be the day. And so as we go from here, I ask God that you strengthen us, give us clarity of vision, help us to see the next step. Lord, we love you. And God, we love each other. I pray you continue to grow this church and help us to grow closer together. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.